Okay, so this mime they're going to start right now, it's called to understand the meaning of the candles of Hanukkah. Rish Mabiel Khan, that the word Indian in Hebrew uh, means the essence of something. Indian is the root of the word Lisanian, which means to be interested. When we say the word Lisanian or Indian, you're talking about a concept, but you're asking, what am I interested in about this concept? I mean, it means you're, you want to go very deep. When you say the word Indian, you want to go to the very core of something. So to understand the essence of what the candles of Hanukkah are about. This discourse is a continuation of the discourse before what Yitzhak Kislev, but it's possible for us, I think, to understand it even without the discourse before. It's a very, very um, deep discourse and goes into the very essence of what Hanukkah is about. It's the uh, last, so far, edited mimer of the Rebbe on Hanukkah. And let's go right to it. The, the Rebbe asks questions in this mimer and goes to a different place than uh, than was pre- places which hasn't, which no one traveled before in Chassidus about the candles of Hanukkah. Let's go to it. Lahov and Yineris Hanukkah to understand the essence of the candles of Hanukkah. Although the Chachamim established the mitzvah of lighting the menorah because of the miracle that happened with the candles of the menorah in the temple, whenever the sages establish something, they always establish it in a similar way to the biblical standard. So if they made this menorah to, to be a commemoration for the menorah in the temple, so it would seem that they should make the menorah to be just like it. Yet, however, there are several differences between the menorah that we light and the menorah that the Kohen lit in the temple. Number one, the misparim, and the number of candles. The candles of the temple had were seven, while the candles of our menorah are eight. In the place where the menorah stood. Zev, you can see your face. I know you're walking your dog. It's okay. Anyways, so uh, the uh, the candles of the menorah were placed in the base of Mingdash. Inside, in the holy place, in the Heichal, Within the Heichel itself, it was on the south. In Chassidus, in Yiddishkeit, and Kabbalah, south is associated with the right. And just factually, when you walked in the Beis Migdash, you walked in from uh, east to west. And the south, therefore, was on your... What was it? On your right and left? No, it was on your left, right? East, west, north, south. Yeah, it was on your, it was on your left. But in general, in Yiddishkeit, um, the top of the compass is the east, because the sun rises in the east. And also, according to Kabbalah, east is associated with the sphere of Chachma, the, the first sphere, the highest sphere. So east is the highest, east is the top of the of the compass. And if east is the top of the compass, so then south is on the right. So although physically you walk in the Besamekdash, but there was on your left, <clears throat> but in general, south is associated with the right. So the temple's Meneira was both inside and it was on the right, but our Meneris are, number one, they're on the outside. They're supposed to be really halakhically 
there is an advantage of a Menorah being in the outside. Shulchan Aruch says the reason why it's not on the outside is because uh, of, of the danger that existed, there was, because of the dangers that the Jewish people had. But, um, uh, and that's remained the custom till today. Um, however, um, the Talmud says a place in there is supposed to be outside. And number two, where on the outside? It's supposed to be opposite of the mezuzah. The mezuzah is supposed to be on the right when you enter the home. And the menorah is supposed to be on the left. So the menorah is associated with left. And the temple's menorah is associated with right. Outside on the left versus inside on the right. Further, also the time that they were lit, the time flying menorah in the temple was before dark. It was about an hour and 50 minutes before sunset. Unlike the candle of Hanukkah, which is specifically supposed to be lit when the sun sets. The Friedrich Rebbe adds another point and says that the candle of the menorah, the hour menorah, is supposed to be done specifically in the outside. There's no other mitzvah that we find except for the paradum, except for the red heifer, that's supposed to be specifically in the outside. And the previous Rebbe explains in that dis, in that series of discourses, beginning with the words Pad B'Shalom Tavshin Dalid, nineteen forty-four. The reason why the candle of the menorah is on the outside is in order to publicize the miracle. But seemingly this answer isn't sufficient. The mitzvah of Purim is also supposed to be to publicize the miracle. That's part and parcel of why we send gifts to the poor and gifts to each other. It's all to, to announce and to publicize this incredible miracle that happened in the story of Purim. And yet, we don't do the Suda, we don't have a celebration outside. So while the story of Hanukkah and the story of Purim are the same in the sense that they're both about publicizing the miracle, yet there's a distinction between them that the mitzvah of Purim is done inside and the mitzvah in there is the only mitzvah that's done in the Mishros in the outside. So, so although we see that the menorah that we light is a commemoration of the menorah that was lit in the temple, we find all these distinctions between them and the question is, why? If it's meant to be a commemoration, so why isn't it exactly the same? The answer is, is base, as explained in the Maimarim, that the point of the candles of the Menera is to give light to the darkness. That through the war of the Greeks, to make the Jewish people forget your Torah, to make them go against your will, and especially subsequent to their arrival in the Hechel, in the Beis Migdash, and contaminating all the oil in the Hechel, Nas, the next page, is that 
there was a very great force in Klippa, a very great force to contend with of darkness. And therefore, when the the house of the Chasmoneans, when they when they were victorious over the Greeks, the Chasmoneim won. Tikneres Chanukah, they established to light the menorah, bechdei lahoyer sachayishach, in order to give light to the darkness, and that answers all the questions. and that's why we light the menorah specifically when, to, to, when the sun sets. Because the whole point of the candles of the menorah is to give light to the darkness. And the place we put the Menera is outside. And on the left, Why do we do it on the outside? Why on the left? Because the whole point of the light in the Menera is to give light to the darkness of the public domain, the separate mountains. This public domain, the outside, resembles and considers the a, a being that feels that there are many forces. It's not just the one singular domain of Hashem. A public domain, and as, as literally a public domain, a public street, it's not doesn't belong to any one person. There's, it, you feel in this public domain that there are many different things going on over there, many different forces going on over there. In the language of the Zohar, Turi de Prud, it feels like there are separate mountains. There's a, there are very strong, powerful beings there that are other, that are not from Hashem. That's what it seems like. And so the goal of Ayin Manera in the public domain, in the outside, is in order to give light to that, to that very dark space, that space which feels that there's, there are many forces. That's why the menorah is lit on the left, because the nourishment of the public domain, the nourishment of Klippa, the nourishment of this divisive, of this plurality, is from the side of the left. In general, Kabbalah, Right is associated with revelation, and left is associated with contraction, with concealment, with judgment, with withholding. With right is the sign of giving, and left is a sign of holding back. So how is there a public domain? What caused it to be a public domain? Because Hashem hides His light, He holds back His light. And that also explains why we have eight candles. Because the reason why our Menera has the ability to give light to the darkness, even the darkness of the public domain, is because the light of the menorah is a light that is above and beyond the entire spiritual cosmos. That's why it's eight. Why eight? Number eight indicates a level that is beyond the entire spiritual cosmos. That is when you get the Hanukkah, the Zeshi entered the Hanukkah with Mispeshmein of me Hanukkah Tmani Inyun, who kicked a guild Ershmein Bacham Hanukkah Gishman Shashas. That's also why the holiday has eight days, because the light that shines in the days of Hanukkah is a light that is beyond the entire spiritual cosmos. I'll never forget this exchange I had with this gentleman who was telling me about one of his uh, employees, was asking him about uh, our holidays. She was telling him about her holiday and what is it and what he used to do on your holiday in the Hanukkah. And he told me, she doesn't get it. She thinks this is our, like a real holiday. Well, our real holiday, of course, is like Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot isn't a real holiday. And I remember thinking like, well, man, you don't get it. Hanukkah is a real holiday. 
Hanukkah is a holiday when there's a light of Hashem that shines in the world that's beyond the entire spiritual cosmos. This is big. So the reason why it's so big, why it's eight, eight candles, why it's eight days, why it's outside, why it's on the left, why it's in the time of darkness, it's all the same reason. There was a lot of darkness in the world. And to contend with this, Hashem gave us the light of the menorah to, to banish the darkness, to give light to the darkness. The word banish is probably a wrong word, as we shall see in the Mimer. But to, to, to give light to the darkness, therefore, we need a, a higher kind of godly energy, and if, which, are, which is connected to the num, to number eight, as opposed to seven. Seven is associated with the days of the week and the natural order. Eight represents something which is infinite. So we need the infinite light of Hashem to give light to the darkness. Everyone follow so far? Okay. That's what we need this light. But how did we get it? This light, which is beyond the spiritual cosmos, that will shine during the days of Hanukkah, and especially it shines in the candles of Hanukkah, how did it come down to the world? It came down to the world through the sacrifice, the dedication of Matasiahu and his children. That means there are two components of the relationship between the light and the darkness that existed then. There are two factors in this relationship between light and darkness. Number one, there's a perspective of how it is from our here in this world looking upwards, and there's a perspective of how things are looking downwards. Because of the incredible darkness that existed then, there was a revelation of something very deep within a person. A person needed to contend with this darkness. The going gets tough, the tough gets going. So in order for a Jew to survive the darkness then, how did he do it? The Jew had to reveal within himself his power of dedication, his power of Messias Nefesh. Because there was so much darkness... So to survive, you had to bring out that power of Mr. Nefesh within you. And through their Mr. Nefesh, they drew down from the essence of Hashem, who is beyond the entire spiritual cosmos. Because they had to reach in within, into their very core, they also caused a revelation, so to speak, from their core of Hashem, so to speak, from the essence of Hashem. The darkness elicited this kind of response. Think about Jews who lived in time of Stalinist Russia or other places of persecution. They, in order to contend with what was going on, the only way to survive was with Messias Nefesh. So the darkness brought this additional light naturally. You needed to have that additional light to contend with the darkness. That's one way the darkness and the light of Hanukkah are connected. The darkness brought about this new light. The darkness evoked this new light. And then there's another connection. When once Matasio has a Messias Nefesh, and God gives the Jewish people this new light, what happens now is, from above to below, now this light is able to give is able to shine into the darkness too. So first of all, the darkness brought the light. Second of all, the light banishes the darkness. So that's... So the relationship between the darkness and the light, Mechamorachai, is twofold. Number one, it is the darkness that brought about this additional inner, strong 
response of the neshama. It, it revealed inner light within ourselves. And number two, when this inner light in ourselves was revealed, that illuminates the darkness. So darkness causes the light, and darkness is then illuminated by that same light that it caused. And this is the reason for all the above aforementioned differences between the candles of the Meneira and the candles of the Beis HaMikdash. The reason why the Meneira only had seven candles is because there was no mysterious Nefesh needed to light the Meneira in the Temple. Therefore, the kind of light that was there was seven. Seven associated with the spiritual cosmos. There was no special dedication needed to light that menorah, and therefore the kind of light that was brought down was seven. And since this light, which is not beyond the spiritual cosmos, which is, which is within the spiritual cosmos, does not have the ability to give light to the darkness, because darkness can contend with it, the darkness is also a force that, that is parallel to it and, and is, it needs to contend with Therefore, the place of the Nair was not in the place of the darkness. It was inside the base of Mikdash, and it was on the right side. And the time it was lit was specifically before the sunset, because it didn't have the ability to give light to the darkness. But the candles of the hour of which were brought to the world to the sacrifice of Matasiyahu, it's the number eight, which is a light which is beyond the spiritual cosmos and has, it has the ability to give light to the darkness as well. So that explains not just the, uh, the reason why the stages establish it this way, but the why, how do we get there? What, what gave us this manera? What gave us this light? Mr. Nefesh of Matasio, his miracle within himself, his going beyond himself and fighting against the impossible odds of his small group of Maccabim against the huge Greek army, his incredible Mr. Nefesh to keep the Torah despite everything, that is what brought about this new light of Hashem that never came to the world before. And that brought a new mitzvah that was in the world before. And a new revelation of godliness, which is which was higher than in everything that was before, higher than the spiritual cosmos. So the nearest of the Mesa Migdash didn't have that mysterious nefesh, and therefore there was a limitation. It was seven. It was inside. It couldn't overcome the darkness. Okay. The previous Rebbe then explains based upon this. This explains also why our manure is meant to be on the entrance of our home on the outside, in the public domain. Although we don't find any other mitzvah that's supposed to be done in the public domain, this one is different. Why? Because the goal of the menorah is to give light to the public domain. Gemara uses the expression where it says that uh, the menorah is supposed to be lit until Kalya Rigl until the Tarmudayim leave the marketplace, until the feet of Tarmudayim stop walking on the marketplace. 
The Tarmadayim, different opinions about who they were. Some say that they were servants that were hired by Shem Melech to uh, build the second base of Migdash. I'm sorry, the first base of Migdash. And they rebelled against Shem Melech. That's why they're called Tarmadoy. They were Tarmadoy to, to rebel. And they were sort of like a gypsy like nation that hung around the marketplace. And they would gather wood. At the end of the day, I guess they needed to warm themselves because they were outside. So the, the Torah says, How long should your manure be lit? Your manure should be lit until they stop walking. They're, they're the ones who stay in the marketplace the longest. When they stop walking around, that's when you're finished. That's when your manure needs to shine until. That's a simple meaning of what the Gemara says. Another meaning of it is, deeper meaning of the same Gemara, or the rather the soul of what the Gemara is saying is, in order to give light to the place of the public domain, and not just the public domain, but the forces that rebel against Hashem, you need that the Gemara has to, is supposed to burn, supposed to shine, and is supposed to evoke in the hearts of those who are in a state of rebellion, they also should be inspired to be closer to Hashem. The word Kalia, Rigla Tamadoi, and the simple on the surface means the simple way it's usually translated is until there is no longer any feet of those Tamadoim walking in the marketplace. But the word Kalya also comes from the word Kiloin, which means yearning. Until the Tamadoim, until those who are in a state of rebellion, who are in a state of in a place of darkness, and they are moving and they're advancing and they're going and adding more darkness in the world. That's what they're doing. The Muneir has the ability to not just to stop them, not just the Kalya, not just that they should stop being, adding darkness to the world, but so, so the Muneir has the ability to have this profound effect on them that there should be a transformation in them. So that instead of them going against Hashem, they should be in a state of Kleis HaNefesh, of complete, total yearning to cleave to Hashem. Kalya, so that the Tarmadoim are transformed with Kleis HaNefesh. That's why Muneir is lit on the outside. But there's still a question. A question like this. This explanation requires further analysis. What about Purim? Purim also there was sacrifice. In fact, in Purim there was... A, a much greater sacrifice. How was Purim a greater sacrifice? Who who was the, who were the people that had mysterious nefesh in the time of Hanukkah? Matthias Yo and his children. They're the main people at sacrifice. Who had mysterious nefesh during the time of the story of Purim? All the Jewish people. Haman said he's going to annihilate all the Jewish people. And Mordechai gathers all the Jewish children in public. And he learns them Torah. And he inspires everyone in the whole generation to stand with mysterious nefesh and not to give up their religion. So if there was Mesir's Nefesh in the time of Purim, how come we don't find this, in the time of the story of Purim that there's a special law established to give light to the darkness, to give light to the outside? If, if it's Mesir's Nefesh that causes this ability, this new, this new light of Hashem to give light to the darkness, then that should be a Purim as well. Shir's Nefesh of Hanukkah was mainly by Matasio and his children. Shir's Nefesh of Purim was by all the Jewish people. And yet, there was no mitzvah established during the time of Purim that it should be done in public. Only by Hanukkah do we have this, do we have this, this rule 
that everything's supposed to be done on the outside, and the question is why. So we're uh, answering a lot of questions, but we're leaving with a question. We gave an explanation for the various differences between the Meneira of Hanukkah and the Meneira of Our Meneira comes through Messias Nefesh, and therefore it is, has a greater force, it has it's able to give light to the darkness, and therefore it's specifically done at nighttime, specifically done on the outside, specifically done on the left side. But we're still wondering, though, so then what about Purim? Why doesn't Purim have that? It's a shame we'll continue tomorrow, and we'll figure it out. Have a wonderful Yantif. Later out.